Well, I'm thankful for all who have led us in worship this morning, especially Kate Ahrensberger and Landon Rothschild and Kate Gaskins, the student handbell ringers and the student choir for their musical offerings this morning. I'm also thankful for the opportunity to come and to bring a word this morning uh, to continue our sermon series on epiphanies. This morning I'll be preaching from Isaiah 40, verses 21 to 31. Listen for God's word coming to you and for you from the prophet Isaiah. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told to you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers. Who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to live in? Who brings princes to naught and makes the rulers of the earth as nothing? Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown. Scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth. And when he blows upon them, they wither, and the tempest carries them off like stubble. To whom then... Will you compare me, or who is my equal, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out their host and numbers them, calling them all by name. Because he is great in strength, mighty in power, not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and assert, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not grow faint or weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Even youths will faint and be weary, and the young will fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Let us pray together. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts together be pleasing in your sight. O oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I am occasionally forgetful. I've been known to open up my computer, to open up an internet browser, and then think, I was going to look up something but what was it? At church, I'll make my way from my office up to the youth room or the youth storage area to set out a couple of things, and I'll arrive up there, and then I'll think, what was I going to grab while I was here? I'll open up the fridge, knowing I need something for a recipe or that I have a craving for something, and then I'll stand there, unsure of what I was going for. I've even gotten in the car and started the engine 
and backed out of the driveway and then thought, where am I going again? I'm not always like this, but I am sometimes prone to forgetting. And as such, I've reordered my habits on occasion to ensure that I don't forget important items or pieces of my agenda. I've been known to leave my car keys on top of an important document to make sure I can't leave the house without it. I'll set an alarm on my phone to alert me to the time so I don't lose track of it. I'll leave an important reminder in the form of a note on the coffee maker knowing that I'll see it. But I'm human. I'm prone to misremembering or downright forgetting. The prophet Isaiah speaks into Israel's testimony with a series of hypothetical questions asking, have you forgotten? Have you not known? Have you not been told? The prophet does this to remind the people of God's presence and role within their lives. Now the situation for the Israelites is one mired in problems. They are captive to Babylon and through a series of deportations, more and more Israelites were forcibly removed from their homeland and relocated to Babylon. Many Israelites were forced from their very homes and they were disconnected as a people. The pain from this experience is perilous. The land promised to them in covenant with God is now not their home and they are unsure of what their future may be. The home of their religious and cultural identity, the temple was laid to waste and the people longed for Jerusalem through tears by the rivers of Babylon. Amid this time of tumult, Isaiah questions the people's memory. Have you not known that our God created the world? Do you not realize that God is faithful through generations? It's easy to forget. And the question is perhaps whether the Israelites have forgotten God's promise or whether they just don't believe it anymore. From all accounts, the Jewish people maintained their religious practices while in exile. They maintained their recognition of the Sabbath. They prayed in synagogues while away from the temple. They even substituted prayers for certain aspects of sacrifice. They continued to celebrate and recognize religious high and holy days. But have they forgotten? The Israelites are threatened as a people. A foreign power has overtaken them. Their way of life is drastically altered. The lure of other gods is before them. Their communal identity is weakened. So the prophet intends to remind them, hoping to spark an epiphany from deep within their memory. Perhaps the prophet can inspire the people back to their first love. Isaiah speaks to God's power in creation, for Israel's God is the creator of the universe, the God of all nations. The picture of this creator, creator God is one who sits above the earth, 
stretching out the heavens like a curtain. This image shows a God who is all-powerful. When compared to the simple problems of the day, one can see that this God stands far and above any problem that could be faced. Any barrier is simple and small for the God of the Hebrews. Any nation seems tiny and insignificant compared to Israel's God. And yet, for the people in captivity, their problems seem unconquerable. Perhaps a God that is, as theologian Rudolf Otto put it, wholly other, was simultaneously inspiring, but also unhelpful. This holy other God is simply too distant for a people in need. The people are doubled over with grief and pain. Their faith is shaken. But they're also very worried about practical difficulties right in front of them. Their crisis is both existential and pragmatic. And verse 27 speaks to the view of the Hebrew people as restated by the prophet saying, Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, saying, My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right disregarded by my God? The people feel that God has ignored their troubles. They feel that God has either not acted or is unable to act on their behalf. And they wonder if perhaps the gods of Babylon might be more powerful or more able than their own god. The prophet draws an illusion, an illustration of the stars. Isaiah paints a picture of God numbering and naming the stars and their multitudes with his action showing great strength and creating power and compassionate care. It's also worthy of note that the Babylonians worshipped the stars. According to Bible scholar Paige Kelly, the Babylonians not only regarded the stars as gods, but they also believed that their movements governed the destinies of men. From this perspective, one's fate was astrologically certain. A fate set by the stars may be inspiring to one on top, but it is a hopeless and helpless feeling for one with their back against the wall. If fate is set by the stars, perhaps good luck could be found on occasion, once in a blue moon or as rare as a shooting star. But this is all that life would ever be or could ever be. If you were a captive, you would spend your days as a captive. If you were exiled, that's all life could ever offer you. If you were hidden from God, your cries would never be heard. But the prophet again nudges the people, trying to free them from their trance. Wasn't there a time before this captivity? What did we believe of God before these times of trial? Are the fates of people truly set as predicted 
by the stars in the sky? While God is holy other, beyond comprehension or understanding, beyond comparison or parallel, beyond cognition or acumen, God is also the one who acts, not far away or distant, but God is close to the brokenhearted, as stated in Psalm 34. God gives strength to the powerless. For the Israelites and for us, God gets our attention and reminds us that we can exchange our failing efforts for God's perfect ones. While some aspects of life are out of our control, we can be reminded that our fates are not set by the stars or cruelly dealt with or assigned to us by a God who is distant or uncaring. Now what God does is not always immediate and evident to human eyes, but we can be reminded that God is compassionate. God also does not tire in care and is unlike the pagan gods encountered by the Israelites. Those images of divinity are distant and indifferent, but those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength. When the bottom falls out, we are prone to forgetting. We may know that God is faithful, but life may not always feel that way, and we will not always live that way. How will we remember? Likely our memory problem is not reversed by setting an alarm to remind us that God is the creator of the world. We can't leave our car keys on top of a reminder that, not, that God does not grow faint or grow weary. We'll eventually stop noticing the note on the coffee maker that says the Lord is the everlasting God. How will we remember? How will God get our attention? Perhaps the sunrise remind us that God's grace is new every morning. Perhaps our morning routine will remind us that God's care extends to the lilies of the field and the birds of the air. Maybe the faces we see on our commute remind us that God is the God of all nations and we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. Maybe our work and our labor remind us of the talents that God has gifted to us and inspire us to use this skill for kingdom work? Could our meals remind us of the Lord's prayer and challenge us to provide those whose tables sit barren without daily bread? Could our friendships remind us of God's nearness, the way that God hears our prayers? Could our problems and challenges remind us of our inability to navigate life on our own efforts? Could our weakness remind us of God's strength? Could our exhaustion remind us of God's persistence? The best way to remember is to never forget. But even if we have forgotten, God longs to remind us that the Lord renews the strength of those who
who need it. God wants to get our attention and remind us that God's care is near. This passage closes with a notable refrain that's been featured in hymnody and gospel music and immortalized in my wife's favorite movie, Remember the Titans. It says, even youths will faint and be weary, the young will fall exhausted, but those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And one might notice the anticlimactic ordering for those who wait upon the Lord. One might imagine that it should begin instead with walking and then strengthen in endurance to a run and then finally culminate with storing like an eagle in the sky. But Pastor John Claypool, in a sermon entitled Strength Not to Faint, notes the original may be the perfect order, saying, I think the writer knew what he was doing when he set down the promises as he did. For in the darkest stretches of life, the most difficult discipline of all is not that of soaring, or even running, it consists of keeping on, keeping on, even when events have slowed you to a walk. In those times, and in all others, let us remember that God is close to the brokenhearted and near to the grieving. Let us not forget that God's love extends to the foreigner and the uninvited. God's love extends far and wide, even to those who have forgotten or still slumber unaware. While God is wholly other beyond our comprehension, God is also as close as the breath in our lungs, the tears on our cheeks, the words on our lips, and never far in times of trouble. Whenever we forget, let us remember that God is always with us, even when we slow to a walk. The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, who never grows tired or weary. Amen.